Yeah. Um, guys, thank you for joining and um, another one. Today I have one of the techiest men around, um, Tom Huddleston. So I'm going to wait for him to get in. But um, until he gets here, you don't know where he is though. But um, get wish on at some point. Matty Cods, could you um, say what you want me to actually do in proper English? Um, okay, cool. Tom's here. But yeah, guys, keep subscribing and everything. And my actual podcast, Counter-Attack Pod. Um, yeah, it's there pinned up. Make sure you follow and stay up to date. I'm going to get him in now and then we're just going to go. Yeah, just get him in. Tom, I'm adding you now. Yes, yes. How are you? You alright? I'm good, man. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, good, good, good. How's your day again? Um, today's been alright. It's gone quite quick, to be fair. Um, mm. What we've done? Did a one of the runs that the club set us out to do first thing this morning, um, and then they did like a Zoom call optional this afternoon. Yeah. And so I got involved in that, which passed an hour. Um. So, yeah, it's not been too bad today. How did they actually know if you're actually doing anything? <laughs> um, they gave us a, like a GPS watch and a heart rate belt. Um, okay. And then you have to download an app on your phone. And then after mm. you've done your runs, you sync it to that, basically. And, yeah. Um, they get all the information that way. So, <laughs> it's like Big Brother. They are keeping, keeping tabs on you. How hard is it, though, like having to do all that by yourself and not with the team? I think that's the hardest part. I don't think, obviously, the actual runs themselves aren't too bad. Um, but I think it's just finding a motivation by yourself. If you're in a group with a team, obviously, everybody's spurring each other on and stuff like that. But I think, especially not so much at the minute, but the past four or five weeks where you get one hour's exercise outside to spur yourself on and get the motivation that way has been a little bit difficult but as I say because it's all recorded and you have to do certain runs on certain days um, yeah. it's, it's got to be done um, What's it actually like been like for you just to finally not finally but you've been playing football now for well over a decade now yeah like yeah. since you were 16 so well first team 16 but like this is probably like your first time prolonged at home right other than pre-season yeah. other than off-season what's it been like for you like filling your time um, I think the fact that we got the runs given off the club I think that's given us a little bit of I quite like a routine and something a plan to stick to um, mm. so having that as a guidance um, has been okay but then it's just filling the rest of your time um I've got a three-year-old, so he obviously keeps keeps us on our toes um, yeah. in and around the house. Um, but yeah, I think generally it's just, um, I've been looking at my, I started my coaching badges a few years ago, so I've been re-looking at some of that stuff, um, yeah. writing down a few sessions that we've done this season, which yeah. I thought were good sessions. Um, so just writing them down and even tweaking them a little bit to my own yeah. where I think they could have improved a little bit um, 
So that's what you want yeah. to do moving forward. Yeah, coach. I think I've done a because I've had I've missed a, a few months this year with injury. I did a couple of bits for Sky mm. uh, media wise, which I I thoroughly enjoyed, and that would be something I'd like to do. But equally, the coaching side of it. When I did the Badgers out in Northern Ireland. Uh, mm when you've got a usual mind and your different ideas, I, I really enjoyed that at the time, to be honest. But whilst you're playing, um, I know it's difficult to to find the days um, and the hours to, to fit in all the, the sessions. But uh, whilst I was doing it, it was something that I could see myself doing longer term as well. Yeah, no, I rate that. And so we're going to start today with where we started for you. So you're obviously at Derby now, but you are also at Derby when you first started, right? Yeah. How did how did you even get into Derby? Because you're you're from Nottingham originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that even come about? Um, well, the beginning of everything was we didn't at my junior school. We didn't really have a a school team as such, mm. uh, but we just played in the local five aside tournaments. Yeah. Um, got scouted by someone from Forest. Um, Alan McCarthy when I was eight years old um, went on the trials at Forest ended up staying there for four years um, and then at the end of the under 12 season they were like I think they were just trying to play mind games to be fair because yeah. there was probably three or four of us that were the better players in that squad um, but with myself they said um, they were happy for me to come back the following year on like a six-week trial to try and earn a contract. Yeah. Even though I'd been there for four years, so they should have seen enough to make a decision. Um, and then my last game for, or one of my last games for Forest after being told this, was against Derby. Um, and that was one of my best games, to be fair. And then the <clears throat> Derby manager at the time on the 13s one, he had uh, said to my mom oh, we understand he's having a bit of issues with the contract, but we've seen enough today that we'd like to offer him one. If the Forest um, guy said that? No, the Derby guy, sorry. The Derby guy, OK. But I was playing for Forest at the time, so yeah. they knew that I'd had contract issues. Um, mm. And my mum, which it didn't backfire, but it could have, she was like, oh, no, like, thanks for the offer, but he can go on a six-week trial like everybody else has to do. <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning of the under-13 season, uh, I went on trial at Derby for the like pre-season not really a pre-season when you're that age but mm. for like the first month or so um, ended up getting offered a two-year deal as a schoolboy there and then yeah, three, year, three or four years later I was on the bench for the first team a few times whilst at school and then as soon as I left school a couple of games in the pre-season and come the start of the season George Burley had put me in the deep end and kept me in the team for two years to be fair yeah, no, I, I was gonna gonna come to that, but before before I did um, come to that, is it true that at Nottingham Forest, even at that age, they said you weren't strong enough? I think that was, but I'm not sure if it's still the same. But they have to give if they don't offer a player that's contracted a new one. I think there's maybe fifteen or twenty excuses or reasons that they mm. have to give. Okay, um, and I think that was the sort of official line yeah. either wouldn't be strong enough or um, aggressive enough or something along those lines yeah. but obviously at 12 years old I've probably obviously not the same build as I am now but I've been I hope not no back then I was probably 
especially that last year, I shot up a lot. I was probably touching 5'10", 5'11", I reckon. Mm. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So yeah. I've never... That side of it, the aggression side and being aggressive with headers and stuff like that, I never needed at that age. Mm. But the managers at Forest at the time were, were quite old school and British where it's like, you need to like be aggressive and use your size more and stuff like that. But mm. it was never really needed. Yeah. So at what point, because people, since I've told everyone that you're going to be on my life, everyone just wants to talk about your tech. <laughs> That's all literally anyone wants, wants to talk about. What is other, there's other things. So like, what? <laughs> Where did that even come from? Like, what? coach or who were you watching how did you get to, to the point where your technique is how it is because to this day I'm not going to lie to you it's, you're easily one of the, the most technical savvy I don't know what the your, your, your <laughs> tech is just sure. unreal it's just unreal like, so, so who kind of taught you that or who were you watching for, for you to get that way Um, I don't know I think as a very youngster like four or five my granddad used to take me to watch my uncle who was just like part-time at a local club in mm. Nottingham um, used to have from I don't know maybe he was there for maybe 15-20 years to be fair with the same group of lads so I used to have a kickabout with the subs when I was like five or six um, mm. my granddad was always which I'm trying to do my little one now um, emphasising using both feet and like obviously my little lad tries to pick it up and move it so he can kick it but got him to like sort of manoeuvre it with his feet now which he's quite good at mm. um, but yeah as I say I think where where I've always been physically bigger and taller especially at a younger age than a lot of the players um, where it was probably key for them to work on trying to match somebody's strength or be more aggressive because they lacked the height or physical size. Mm. I think for me, because I naturally had that, it was probably easier for me to work on the technical aspects and I didn't have to worry about fending people off or jumping for headers. Mm. I could work on, I don't know, bringing it down on my chest or using different attributes with both feet rather than thinking, oh, I need to rush into this tackle and shoulder ball someone to the floor and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah because... Like I've, I'm pretty sure you've heard it so many times, but for someone your size, your feet are just ridiculous. It's it's and George Burley, I'm, I I think I read somewhere that he um he said you're you're one of the best passers of the ball he's he's ever seen, and that's you at 16. So like, what kind of pressure does that put on you being in the team? And it's not even like you were like bit part player; you were fully playing, like yeah, um... and everything. You know, I think helped with the mindset was the year before our academy director, had, uh, when John Gregory was the manager and the club had some massive stars like King Cladzi was still there, Ravenelli, uh, Craig, Craig Burley, Brian O'Neill, Branko Strupa. Oh, Strupa. Um, there was like three, I think there was three of us that were having Thursday mornings off school. Mm. Going, I was going over to Derby, training with the first team and then coming back and doing the school in the afternoon. So I think 
being around them type of players that I'd seen played play in World Cups or Champions League finals with like Ravinelli and I think Struper did quite well in the ninety eight World Cup for Belgium. Um that, Yeah, that just gave me like a little ease of the mind really. So once yeah. I did get my chance, um uh, I've always had the mindset of if, if the manager thinks you're good enough then you are, regardless of your age. Yeah. If he's got the confidence to put you in there then have the confidence in yourself to go and perform, really. How important would you say confidence from managers and teammates plays in someone's career? And it's not just talent alone, would you say? Yeah, no, I don't think it is talent alone. Um, especially, probably more so nowadays, I think you get, it's more mindset and um, a bit of accountability of people willing to take responsibility for their own performances um, managers trusting younger players and pushing them keep developing <laughs> John O giving it <laughs> um, yes I think I think it is a mixture of anything and I think nowadays with the money that's in the game it's probably more difficult for a player to break in and stay in the team at such a young age yeah. because people can go out and spend X amount of millions on players. Mm. Well, you obviously handled it okay at that age because Tottenham came in for you. Do you remember much about that time when you heard that Tottenham were were, were looking to sign you? Um, a little bit. I did. So my first season, I played, I think, like 50 games or something. And we only just stayed up, to be fair. So it wasn't great. And then the year after... Again, I played every game, but we, we finished fourth, which was a good achievement. Um, yeah. But I signed for Tottenham in the January. Um, so I remember there being a bit of, obviously, rumours around in, in December. There was a few clubs, um, maybe four or five clubs were saying um, that they wanted more experience or seniority at the time in January. Yeah. Uh, but come the end of the season they'll be back in and definitely making a bid but obviously you can never yeah never um, yeah I know the, I know Derby were in a bit of financial trouble as well um, so yeah I remember being down at Tottenham's training ground after the medical and the chats and but then you I went, thought, you went I was back. not I was a bit on and orange because as I say because we we were in a good position and I felt, obviously, from Nottingham, been at Derby for like six years at the time. Mm. Um, in my head, it was a case of if we had a decent chance of getting promoted, which we mm. didn't in the end, because uh, we we lost to Preston in the playoff semi-final. Um, but that was in my mind, which I would have preferred at the time probably to play for Derby in the Premier League than I would yeah. to sign out elsewhere in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and then on the other hand it was at the time you had just cemented top four didn't you which was yeah. like Man United Chelsea Arsenal Liverpool they were the top four guaranteed and then after that you probably had Tottenham Everton and Newcastle were your next batch of teams and then it was everybody else mm. um, so on the as I say on the other hand it was probably a case of will this opportunity ever come round again yeah um, and, you, initially, yeah. you, you initially went on loan to Wolves, though, didn't you? 
Uh, I stayed at Derby the rest of that season. Went to Tottenham in the pre-season. Um, wasn't really involved, or not even always training with the first team for the first couple of months. And then I went on loan to Wolves, um, who had just been relegated. Yeah, and you also scored against Derby, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a strange... Because for Derby, I think I played 90... 93 or 94 games for Derby over the two seasons. Mm-hmm. And somehow I never, never managed to score a goal. But a lot of my uh, games I played at centre-back and like corners and that I was taking the corner. So that's my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, when I went on loan to Wolves, I was only there for like 12 games. But when I went back to Pride Park, I managed to stick one through Campy's legs, who, who was an ex-teammate. So. Did, did you celebrate I did. My initial thoughts were, if I score, I'm not going to celebrate. But obviously, I wasn't used to scoring, so I didn't know what the feeling would be like. Yeah. Um, and then for the first, every time I touched the ball for the first however long, I was getting a bit of grief off the fans. Mm. A bit of booing, a bit of singing, oh, you'll never play for Tottenham and whatever. <laughs> um, rather than them, obviously, understanding the reason why you'd leave a championship club to one of the biggest in the country. Um, so I was getting a bit of stick. And then, as I say, once once I did get that feeling, especially against one of my good mates, who I still speak to now, which is 16, 17 years later in Lee Camp, um, I just naturally went a bit mad. Not over the top, but yeah. like, I just celebrated as you would. I rate that. Listen, celebrate that. Take your top off everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm proper for that so um going back to play for Tottenham now and you make your debut how nervous were you making your debut who did you make your debut on? was it yo was it yo yeah Martin yo yeah um yeah it was Fulham away it was towards well actually I spoke to someone the other day it was actually in January but I thought it was towards the end of the season um yeah. away at Fulham I came on for I don't know how long gave a free kick away <laughs> and they scored from the free kick and we lost 1-0 so yeah. it was a bit like bittersweet but it was nice as I say because I went there in the summer didn't make my debut till the January it was like I needed to get the monkey off my back and get that first game out of the way as soon as possible um, yeah. which obviously didn't go to plan um, but I was just happy to make my Premier League debut at what was that then 19 um so, yeah, once, once that was out of the way, I think that settled me down. I only made four sub-appearances uh, that season, so it wasn't great. But Yeah, but at the same time, it's all, it's all progress at the end of the day. Yeah. But can you remember your, um, well, you obviously can, your first goal? Because I want to talk about this goal. For, um, I think it's your for first Wolves, goal. For Wolves, off For City. I mean, against City. Ah, oh, first Premier League goal, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> what can... How many more goals sweeter than that do you reckon you scored with that like, sweeter than that strike? I've not actually scored too many to be fair, but um there's one that was probably as difficult, which was in Europe for Tottenham. David Bentley from a corner to the edge of the box and I ate a, a volley that went in the bottom corner. Mm. Um but no, yeah, I think that, for, went, that went better. For difficult yeah, it's probably uh, for difficultness, it's probably that one, I reckon. 
Mm. Do you remember? confident to hit the target with that type of strike more often than not, I would say. Yeah, ah, oh, listen. That that strike, and you started off that move. Remember that? Yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that gets underrated by a few people, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you started off the move and then you managed to get up there, which is something I'm actually going to touch on, actually. Um, so you've got up there, you, you've struck it and, and it's gone in. But when I look back at that goal and I see the way you've made it from the bottom to the top and, and scored, a lot of time people might say that Huddleston wasn't mobile enough and, you know, he, he, yeah, he can't move and, and stuff like that. But when you hear things like that, what does it do to you? Like, do you feel like, okay, maybe it's true or maybe it's something I have to change? Or do you just think, nah, you're not watching properly? Um, I'd say it's a mixture of everything, to be honest. There's, when, it, when people first mentioned it or whatever, mm. and the more my career has gone on, the more you see... Uh, we, as I say, with the GPS, we we're the GPS units for training and matches. Uh, and obviously, sprinting-wise, isn't naturally my game. There's a lot mm. of people that sprint about and, I don't know, fly into tackles and stuff more than me. Um, yeah. But the actual physical side, so distance covered or um, high-speed running and stuff like that, which is like a 75-80% of your maximum, my numbers are generally the same as a lot of people in my position, mm. whether that's in the same team or opposition we play against. Yeah. But I think it's just maybe a bit of my size, my body language or being a bit more relaxed on the ball that gives people that impression. I think once people have um, a perception of you as a youngster when you first get involved, mm. which mine is probably always, he's technically good, but he can't get around the pitch. Then yeah. I think that will stick with you. Even though, I think if I would, if I couldn't get around the pitch, I wouldn't have played sort of nearly six hundred games in either the Premier League or the Championship. Yeah. Do you think though that it did stick with you though? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a lot of people's um, regular sort of criticism or observation, um, yeah. which I think, as I say, compared to some other midfielders either that I've played with or played against even if it even if the numbers are identical even if I watch it back sometimes it does look like they're doing more distance or mm. covering stuff like that but um, it's one of them unless I I don't know put the stats out after every single game yeah and you know what I mean there's no there's no point you just got to play your own game and uh, there has there has been times where it's probably not affected me as in performance wise, but I've probably thought about it within matches more and thought mm. rather than play my natural game, I'll maybe sprint about a bit more, and that just defeats the object yeah. because it's your natural game which has either got you in the team or got you in that position. So yeah, I, you I need think to stick to it. I think that's more of a thing of like here in England, like, they just want you to run around. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. Yeah, when you watch some of the games, I watch a lot of football. Um, you watch the Spanish games and if, if if a defender, like, kicks it out for a throw-in, there's a few jeers and that. Whereas in England, if they boot it out for a throw-in, mm. it gets a round of applause and stuff like that. Whereas in Spain, if they, if they keep the ball around the back 
and wait yeah. for the opposition to make a mistake. That's fine and patient. But in England, it's like, oh, get the ball forward quicker, quicker. Yeah. That, you need to score with every single attack, which yeah. is impossible. Yeah, I think they measure how effective you are in a game by like the kilometres you run. Do you know what I mean? And, and I've never yeah. really been a big advocate of that, to be to be totally honest. But it is what it is. Did you ever look at, you know, obviously you're at Tottenham, but even when you left Tottenham, did you ever look at maybe going abroad? Because I do believe if you went abroad, you would be like looked at like on a much higher level. Um, nothing serious. It was a little bit last season, but um, nothing like nothing fully concrete to be honest. Um, mm. It's something I've probably been open to, but like, as I say, nothing has ever come close to happening to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to get a question for you. Oh, my little brother's got a question. Let me ask that one. Okay, guys, keep um, firing your questions in and I will try to get through as many as possible. So, my little brother, Sean, shout him out every time, says, who were your footballing idols growing up? Uh, growing up, initially, I used to, my granddad used to have a, <laughs> a, a VHS of uh, Forest one of their seasons, maybe 89, 90, mm. which I, I used to replay and replay because it was uh, R and R of football goals. and But there was no one, obviously, on that team that fully excited me. Um, so the first one I remember was Cantona when he went to Man United. Mm. Um, and then a little bit later was Desai when... More so when he obviously had a massive career before that at Marseille and AC Milan, but when he came to Chelsea, um, and then once I sort of started playing at a higher level myself, like in the England Victory Shield squad and stuff like that, it's always yeah. been uh, Steven Gerrard. It's always been. Oh, Steven Gerrard? Yeah. What was it like playing against him then? Were you, were you like, oh, Steven Gerrard? Because you must have played against him a couple of times. Yeah, I played against him quite a lot for Spurs and at Hull. But I think early years at uh, Tottenham, when Liverpool had Benitez, um, a lot of the time he played on the right-hand side. And they had Alonso and Mascherano as the two in the middle. Um, and then when he got slightly hold, older, he was more of the deeper one yeah. in midfield. And equally, I was a bit deeper. So we'd probably never fully come into like close contact like that. Um, mm. But for me, he could... Especially when he was a bit younger, he could do absolutely everything. Tackle, score, pass, run. He was rapid. Um, yeah, he could do absolutely everything. What would you, who would, if you had to name me your top three centre midfielders that you've played against, who would they be? So Stevie G's in there. Yeah. It's awkward. I, I did something the other day and I was saying... So on paper, you'd probably look and say, like, Gerard, Lampard, Scholes, Alonso, um, yeah. which on paper is players that they are, but I've always found it more difficult against the centre mid who wants to get the ball and face you up and try and yeah. dribble. Like I think, obviously, John will still be listening, but with, um, like when Delph was at Villa, Oof. Yeah. he would. Every time he got the ball, I don't know if it was whether it was a personal thing against me 
Well that, well, that was just his game in general, to be fair. But any centre mid who gets it and wants to like face you up and mm-hmm. try and dribble past you as a centre mid, it's like just pass it wide and let your wingers do the dribbling. So I ain't got to yeah. try and like defend one v one. But that's what Brad said about him. To be fair, Brad Brad said how he was just unreal. Both feet can go yeah. both ways, like just unreal. But yeah, that, I've even I played against Dembele. I played with him at oh. Tottenham, but when he was at Fulham. Like he's one of them who you think, please just like just pass it wide, just get rid of it. Yeah. And then like we can keep our shape, but he wants to like reel you in, reel you in, and then either go past you or try and play a one-two round you and stuff like that. Mm. Which them names, well, Musa's probably got a bit more credit of of late, but um, obviously everybody naturally thinks you're Skulls, Gerard, Lampard, but as much as if you press, if you close them down, they can play it around you one touch. And if you mm. sit off them, they can hit 50, 60 yard passes. Yeah. Um, which is, that's for the fullbacks to worry about. But as an individual, I hated playing against like Dembele's and Delphs who want to face you up and try and take you on in the middle yeah. of the pitch. I saw um, Danny Rose yesterday on, on Donny Music's live talking about Dembele. And um, he said how he was just unreal. And and Musa for for me is one of I can't believe Tottenham let him go to be honest when they did and I said this on a live with someone else last week or the week before whenever but you played with him as well right yeah only for my last season at Spurs yeah so what what was it about him like that just made him so good because he's the guy just you couldn't get him off the ball that's the thing he's he's strong as an ox um, left and right foot he's technically very good with both. Um, he's quick. He's aggressive when defending. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought the same when Spurs let him go for like, was it 12 million quid or something like that? Yeah. You just think the way the market is now and like he always used to get dragged off after like 60, 65 minutes for some reason but he's he was un- unreal to be fair. No, I I hear that, and um, he was like I said, he was one of my best like centre midfielders. Even though he played for for Tottenham, yeah. can't, can't stand Tottenham. So, ah, oh, shouting tapping. Let me get this one in. So, do you think AVB didn't give you a fair opportunity? Midfield needed creativity at the time with Modric, with Modric just leaving, and our football. Oh, that's all I got. So, do you think? Um, do you think we, he gave you a fair opportunity, basically? Um, I don't personally think I did do a few interviews when I first left and went to Hull and I don't yeah. think I got a fair crack at it as in I think it was in his mind he had this team for these two games but he knew like in the third game he was going to go with this team so regardless of how you did in them two games mm-hmm. even if he was unbelievable you knew likelihood he was going to get dropped like only maybe four or five of us. Um, but equally, it was a difficult one because I played every... I just sort of cemented my place in the team under Harry mm-hmm. for like the 18 months, two years. And yeah. then I got injured, which was meant to be a three or four month injury, which in turn sort of dragged on for like 18 months on and off. I think I played maybe 12 games in between, but like not ideal. And then 
I probably missed another five months. And then when I was back for the preseason is when AVB took over. Yeah. So whether or not he hadn't seen enough of me beforehand or or I didn't do enough in that preseason after missing eighteen months or whatever, but I never felt I've I've got a fair crack at it to be honest. And however I performed, I didn't feel that um I would stay in the team the week after kind of thing. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but it's football and, and it happens. You you played under Martin Yo, Harry Redknapp, AVB. Was there anyone else? Uh, Ramos no? came in for a little bit. Oh, one day Ramos. Oh, flip it. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> what, was, what was one day Ramos like? You know he what? Didn't I, la- he didn't last long at all. No, I did a thing the other day. He was actually... His ideas were actually decent, but I think the language barrier mm. sort of... We had... Poyet come in as a, a coach stroke interpreter yeah um, as an ex-player who knew the club and stuff like that but yeah if you're managing you're giving instructions but it's got to go through somebody else to the player and then if the player's got any queries it's got to go back through that person mm, everything's lost you, in translation yeah, you just lose the intensity of the training session or even more so on match days I think yeah you know what I mean if you're if a manager manager's giving you a telling off or whatever, uh, he, he needs to go through a third party and then vice versa with your comeback. It's, uh, it loses its effect, I think. Um, mm. And then I think probably not long after he got the job, it was clear that his focus was just forget the league position. I'm just going to try and win the call and cut because Tottenham hadn't won anything for a while. Yeah. That that seemed to be his sole focus was like we just win the cup and obviously he had a good cup rec- uh, CV with Sevilla, um, so yeah, it just seemed to go down that route. Which obviously we did win the Carling Cup, uh, which is still Tottenham's last trophy somehow. Um, no, it's just not somehow. Rapidly so. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, he, he just seemed to go down that route, which it's another trophy on his CV. Yeah. No one would be bothered that we finished like eighth or ninth or whatever it was. But behind uh, closed doors, behind closed doors, that like, what is it like within the like? Did he lose the? Did he lose the players? Um, because is it just a thing where the people above are saying, "Oh, you know what? This ain't really what we like," or is it a thing where you, as players as well, can actually see that? Hold on, this ain't right, and you know we're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think when he first came in, obviously everybody was buzzing. I think they'd just gone back to back with the Europa League with Seville. So he had a big, sort of a big track record coming in. So he had everybody's respect straight away. Um, And then, yeah, I think after a little bit, as I say, with the translating for every training session and stuff like that, it's like, I don't know, I think because it was quite a young British squad, yeah, I think people do lo- lose a little bit of interest, and it's just it, probably a little bit of frustration as well. Where you can see his ideas are actually good, but it's just not quite getting them across as he probably wants to. Yeah, who was your, your favourite manager to play under at Tottenham? No, probably Harry. To be fair, um, as I say, when Harry come in. 
there was a few of us that hadn't been playing and Harry being a man manager he just he put five or six of us in the team that hadn't been playing knowing he's going to get a reaction from us we won our first few games um, and then on a personal level the start of the following season um, I managed to get myself in the team um, played I think uh, 35 out of the 38 league games when we finished fourth for the first time and that was with the Harry so that was one of my best seasons on a personal level so I'd probably say Harry and can you rem- well you can obviously remember but um, that Inter Milan game um, away to Inter in that game yeah did you know Obviously, you played with Bale before, like you, you've seen him in training or anything. But even you being part of that game was it a thing of like, who is this guy? Because that's the game where a lot of people actually really clocked onto Gareth Bale, where he literally had control, monopoly of that left hand side all game. Yeah. Um, as I, as you said, we the year before he played a, quite a few games at left back. Mm-hmm. And Modric had been on the left and it was myself, Palacios or myself and Jenis in the middle. Mm. Um, and then I think Asa Ricotto was back fit. So he put him, Harry put him at left back, moved Bale up to the left wing and moved Modric inside as a centre mid. Yeah. Um, and then you could see the freedom what Gareth got from just moving positions, not mm. really having to worry about defending 1v1 and stopping crosses and stuff like that and yeah. he just excelled and then the following season he kicked on again um, as you said that Inter game they just won the treble didn't they yeah uh, Mourinho they just won the Champions League so they had Maicon who was considered the best right back in the world at the time Zanetti always played over that side who's one yeah. of the best players to ever yeah. like step on a pitch yeah. Um so, yeah, obviously, 4-0 down at half-time, it was a case of let's not make this double figures or make it embarrassing. Uh, yeah. But, thankfully, Gareth scored sort of three identical yeah. FIFA goals. <laughs> I, think he, um, I think he actually finished Maicon. I think that's... Because <laughs> Maicon then was, like you said, he was like one of the best right-backs. But I think coming up against Bale, I think that was literally where it just started. Because Bale literally just exposed him. And then again, I think, yeah, I think it's a different type of. When you watch Italian football, it's quite slow and like mm. quite passive to an extent. Yeah. So I think for him to come up against, especially a big club like Inter, who would have Mourinho as manager for a few years before, teams would go there and probably have like five at the back, mid four in midfield, and not really try and attack. Yeah. So I think someone young and fearless like Gareth. Who, who was direct at the time. Yeah. Every time he got the ball, he wanted to take him on. I don't think he would have been used to that. Mm. And I'd say, thankfully, he had that sort of inside left finish into the far bottom corner on lock that day. Yeah. Um, managed to nick himself a hat-trick and make the result and performance more respectable for us as a club. Yeah, so you weren't surprised, I take it, when he then went on and, you know, became the player he was at Madrid. Um, year by year at Spurs he got better and better and then I think was it his last year oh yeah I think his last year or second to last year at Spurs mm. 
he went from the left or the right to sort of playing quite a few games as a number 10. I think that was his last year, actually, under AVB. Yeah. Uh, where he had stop scoring. More, uh, more of a licence to drift out onto the right-hand side and double up or drift out to the left and double up. Yeah. And obviously get himself in the box, pick the ball up from deep and take midfielders on rather than full-backs. And obviously yeah. we've seen with his shooting that he can score from anywhere. So, question now in the eyes of the boot, shout out Pato. Um, do you think you would have had a better career at centre back? Because you mentioned uh, you, you did play a couple of games at centre back early on. Was that a position you actually liked? Um, I've always preferred playing in midfield. Um, I think, I don't think I'd have had a better career. Um, <laughs> When I first, when I signed for Tottenham, it was probably as a centre back actually because in my second season at Derby, probably sixty five percent of my games were at centre back when yeah. we finished fourth. Um, but I think Martin Yo probably naturally seen that the defensive side of it wasn't my natural game uh, and yeah. moved me and kept me in midfield. Um, I did actually play a couple of games. I think I was under Ramos at centre-back at Tottenham. Mm. Um, and actually did quite well, to be fair. But I think long-term, I don't think... I think probably around this age, in my head, it was always a case of playing in midfield and then maybe once you're in your 30s, if you have to drop back, um, yeah. then that would always be an option. OK. Um, Big up for that question, Pat. OK, I'm going to mention some players that you've played with. And you're just going to give me a quick, um, like, what you think of them. All right. Okay, cool. So, Berber. Berbatov. I always, he's, I always say he's one of, probably the best player I've played with for mm. what he did at the time. Obviously, yeah. Modric and Bale have probably gone on with four Champions Leagues and... Shout out Turkish. Probably outdone what he did at Man United. But I think at the time coming into Tottenham he just had that extra bit of class we, we still had unbelievable strikers don't get me wrong but I think just his touch and never lost possession and stuff like that I think he was unbelievable to be fair I remember a game against Fulham I think you know, were losing and then he's, he come on and then um, he scored and I remember Andy Gray just saying oh this guy oozes class <laughs> he was just, just so good um, Jermaine Defoe yeah, that's the thing. I've played with so many good strikers at Spurs. Um, JD, what is it? I don't even know how old he is now. He must be pushing 40. <laughs> but he's, um, he's unbelievable. Like, first and foremost, dedication to football. Constant, like, loves football more than probably anyone I've ever met. Um, always wants a ball at his feet. And he's just driven and just wants to score goals. And technically, with both feet, he's one of the best I've played with. Yeah. Um, two more. Modric. Oh, Modric. <laughs> Modric. Yeah, now, Luca, I know he... Well, everyone thinks he struggled a little bit when he first came in um, to Tottenham. But obviously, in training, it's different. You can see his technical qualities and his first touch. Mm. Passing it 40 yards with the outside of his foot because he never wanted to use his left. Yeah. Um, but again, I think he probably struggled because he was stuck out on the left wing and 
he don't like playing out there. As you've seen from Madrid for the past uh, seven or eight years, put him in the middle of the pitch where he can affect the ball. Um, sorry, affect the game and get on the ball in a lot of different positions. And yeah. he's one of the best in the world. But in England, somebody that size, they wouldn't ever think to play him as a yeah. deeper midfielder where he plays yeah. for Croatia to like get the get the game going. In England, if you're that size and you play central, you have to be a number ten. Yeah. You have to be as far away from our goal as possible, but I, I, I really hope I'd... that changes. Honestly, no, I, it has to change. Yeah. I really hope that changes because that really does hold, like, hold back England. I, I reckon, you know, yeah. when they get players like that, they just want to, you know, if they they don't look at the actual talent and what they can actually do with the ball, they look at the size first. Yeah, and I just don't don't really, yeah. Like Wilshire was one of them. I think Wilshire at the time, should have easily been in England's anchorman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, they don't like to, they don't like to do things the easy way here. And touching on England, great segue, segue king. Um, does it disappoint you when you look at the amount of games that you've actually played for England? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't. I think, if I'd been offered four caps when I was growing up, I'd have obviously bit your hand off for it. Um, yeah. The disappointing thing is the era that I sort of was playing majority of my games in the Premier League. And you had Gerard, Lampard, Carrick. Oh, you had players. Um, I, I think Scholes had retired from England then, but there was like yeah. Gareth Barry. And if you think of Carrick, Lampard and Gerard for a number of years, them three were getting to semi-finals the Champions League was impossible really for the manager to leave their mark. He had Scotty Parker doing well at a yeah. lot of clubs as well. Um, because Capello called you up for the um, World Cup preliminary squad. When you're in there, yeah, because of the people you named, are you looking around thinking, I'm just going to enjoy this and if I get a call up, then I get a call up. But do you actually look at it and think, it's very unlikely I'll, I'll get a call up with the players that are there because you had sorry, but that, in that squad you had Milner, Gerard Lampard. No, not Gerard. Gerard weren't there. Was he injured? Barry. Joel no, he should have been there. No, Gerard weren't there for the World Cup 2010 squad. Yeah. I think he got injured because he's not on that list. Gerard did miss. I think if Gerard missed the 2010 World Cup actually, but um, yeah. So do you look around and think to yourself? It's going to be tough, but, you know, we'll just enjoy it while I'm, I'm here. That year you mentioned um, is the year, as I say, I played 35 out of 38 league games and we finished mm. fourth. Yeah. So I felt like I had a good season myself and the club had a good season. Um, that was the year that Gareth Barry was touch and go with an ankle injury, I think, for mm. that he missed the last eight weeks of the season or something like that. So I was in my head. I was thinking, if he is ruled out, then I should be in the squad. Obviously, I wouldn't expect to play at the World Cup, but it would be unreal to be in the final twenty-three. Um, and Capello had said he was leaving it as late as possible because there was a time when Barry was his sort of main man in midfield. Um, so yeah, that was that was disappointing not to be in that because they did end up going with Gareth Barry. Yeah. which is fair enough 
But the frustrating part was so there's a as I say the 30 man squad, 23 went to the World Cup, seven sort of got binned off, mm. and then the following season, I think after a couple of games of the season, there was another England squad, and in my head, which I would think is more logical, Capella would have a look at them seven players that just missed out. Mm. Okay, so well, Gerard did play 2010. Okay, cool. Yeah, go. Yeah, so I thought I'd definitely be in the squad as seven or like probably get a cap or two caps. Mm. Um, and then out of the seven that got binned, there was only two two of the players that were in the next squad. Yeah. After that, which was quite a disappointing World Cup when we lost to Germany 4-1 mm. or 4-2. Um, With that, that Frank Lampard one, right? Yeah. Mm. So that was... That was the only frustration was once I did make that squad, um, like the following squad after the World Cup, um, yeah. it was always a bit, I was always fighting an uphill battle, I felt. Yeah. Do you, do you look at, at the England's whole setup back then anyway, not, maybe not so much now, and think it should, like, is there confusion where, where it's like, What's the criteria for getting called up? Is it on form or is it on, you know, sentiment? Like, do you look at that and, and think, what's going on here? Uh, as you say, I think it has changed a lot now. Nowadays, mm. you could play seven or eight half-decent Premier League games and get a, yeah. a couple of caps, whereas back then you had to, like, probably have a good six months to even get called up. I know the mm-hmm. calibre of player um, as I said before with a big four at the time there was a lot of yeah. pl- players made up from them. If you think like Neville or Glenn Johnson Rio, John Terry, Ashley Cole Carrick, Gerard, Lampard, Joe Cole Yeah. Um, so it was, there was a lot more players at the top clubs in England that were playing regular um, whereas nowadays I think if you're at a big club and you're in and out of the team you've got more of a chance yeah. um, of getting in the England squad rather than if you're at the sort of second or third tier team on paper yeah. playing regular um, I think you've got more of a chance you see it with some of the players now that are in and out of the teams might play one every three at the top clubs and are in the squad but if you've got someone near the bottom doing just as well but yeah, because it's not as fashionable, um, they don't seem to make the call. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know what the criteria is for England anymore. To be honest, and that, that's what frustrates me most about them. But like you said, it does look like it's changing, and you know, now's the best time for it to change because of the talent that they do actually have. Yeah. So, um, a question. This is about your time at Hull. Um, did you ever expect did you expect big moves from Robbo and Maguire while at Hull so um, Robertson the Liverpool left back obviously Um, I did obviously think they would probably both move on from Hull Um, for Harry it was difficult he he didn't play too much in the the year that we got relegated or not even so much actually the year we got promoted Um, And then he started to play a bit more in the Prem. Marco Silva came in. Yeah. Um, 
who liked ball playing centre halves, uh, played Harry back end of that season, and then Leicester Leicester made a good bid. Which I think it was like 15, 16 million, which at the time everyone was saying was way over the odds. Mm. And then, sort of, eighteen months later, they sold him for eighty to Man United. So, um, and then the same, same with Robbo. Uh, the year we got promoted, we had him and Odebaja as our fullbacks. Whether mm. we played three at the back or five at the back, uh, sorry, or four at the back. Yeah, and Robbo was another one enthusiastic, loves football. Um, was very quiet for the first couple of months, but once he let his ear down and got to know the lads better. Um, he, he never shuts up. Uh, yeah, so You can tell that now. He absolutely loves yeah. it. Buzzing, buzzing for both of them because they're both like top lads, to be fair, and they deserve everything they get. Um, what do you think, as a, as a player now, who, who's played at the, the, at the high end, um, of like transfer fees and stuff like that? Because from the outside looking in, obviously we're like, no, that's crazy, but it's normal to us now. You, as a player, do you look at the transfer fees the same way and, and think, how's he gone for so much money? Because you mentioned Maguire going for 80 mil. Like, do you look at that and just think, this is absolutely crazy? Or I think it all started about two or three years ago, didn't it? Where, yeah. Was that TV money or something like that? I don't know. It must have been. But I remember thinking, I don't want to single him out because I think he's good, but like when West Ham paid 40 million for Felipe Anderson. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> Just for, for like, it's not as if like Lazio were winning the league or mm. in Europe or nothing like that. Yeah, that just seemed a lot. Um, and then ne- Neymar's was like 170 or something daft like that. Mm. But you know, PSG, yeah, PSG have got that type of money. Um, yeah. And then yeah, if, I think now if you're half decent player, whereas before it might be 10, 15 million. If you're half decent now, you're looking at 40, 50. Mm. Um, I think the current crisis might half a lot of the transfer fees to be honest yeah um, I read something the other day someone saying Bruno, uh, Bruno Fernandes he went for like 65 to Man United but if it was to happen now it'd probably be like uh, 15 to 20 million just because of the way wow. the clubs are, are struggling financially so I think it will come back down but it did just go mad for two or three years yeah no, that's flipping crazy. Uh, next question is... Yeah, so your time at Hull, how did that come about then? Was it the whole AVB stuff? You know, not you not really being the team and whatnot, and then you just decided that it was time for a change? Yeah, my mindset has always been to play as often as possible. Um, as I said, I missed about 18 months... Then I was in and out under AVB. Um, so the following season, I didn't really want to go through that again. I was what was I coming up to like maybe twenty six, twenty seven years old. So I yeah. wanted uh, to sort of play regular for the next four or five years at least. Uh, I think Tottenham had agreed a price with Hull and Sunderland, which obviously once the club agrees a price, you know. <laughs> The writing's on the wall. It's time yeah. to, if they're happy to accept a bid, then it's time to go anyway. Um, spoke to Steve Bruce. What was he like? Uh, yeah, he's good. He, he tells you everything you want to hear, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I met him. I would obviously had permission off Tottenham to meet and speak to him. Um, 
and then spoke to Decanio on the phone the same evening, and he was completely opposite to Steve Bruce. Mm. It was as if, almost as if he was, rather than him trying to sell me the club and his tactics and stuff like that, it was almost as if he was doing me the favour kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas Steve Bruce had been totally the other way. Mm. Um, so in the end, it turned out to be quite a straightforward decision, to be honest. Okay. What, what, why you was at um, Hull? When you talk about the FA Cup final now, with Arsenal, happy you lost, but that's, <laughs> that's my, me as an Arsenal fan. But let's go through that game very quickly because we're going to cut out. It's going to cut out, but then we'll come back for like another 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, FA Cup final, you guys are 2-0 up. Kazola puts that free kick in. When that happened, did you look at it and think, we're in trouble here? Or did you actually still feel that, no, we're actually still going to go on and win this? When we went, we was tuning up in about 10 minutes, weren't we? Yeah. Which was obviously a surprise in itself. And um, I honestly felt, especially that first half, I don't think Arsenal ever looked like scoring. Mm-hmm. Until that went uh, in. So, yeah, so mm. for us to give, first of all, such a cheap free kick away, and then for someone to sort of score a side foot curler from 40 yards, which should, <laughs> nev- should never never go in, it was like, if we get into half time at 2 0, the way that we mm. played that season, a lot of the time we played five at the back, yeah, sort of a diamond in midfield and one striker. Um, Okay, wait, it's going to cut off. In Okay, cool. Guys, um, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come straight back and then I'll just join in and then we'll keep going. So when we come back, just get your questions in and we'll get another 15 minutes in. Yeah, so guys, um, this is the second part of um, my chat with Tom Huddleston. Um, we're just going to give you a bit more and then um, yeah so get your questions in now if there's anything that um, you want me to quickly cover then just let me know and then um, yeah so I'm just waiting for him to come on guys get your questions in get your questions in or let me know in the comments something that you want me to ask very quickly and then once he gets in I will add him back I don't know where he is though. I don't know where he is. So yeah, get your questions in. What question is this one here? Fundraiser, amazing deal. Here he is. Get him in. Just waiting for it to come in now. Okay, cool. Good time to cut out that. Say again? It's a good time to cut out. Yeah, I'm telling you. No, it wasn't a good time. I need to hear about it. <laughs> but yeah, go on. Um, yeah, so it goes that, in. Yeah, so shouldn't go I in. just thought, at the time, didn't feel like Arsenal were creating much or didn't think that they uh, looked like scoring. So mm. for, obviously, from Arsenal's point of view, it's a good free kick and whatever, but from our point of view, it's a cheap free kick. And then he, the goal he played brilliant for us that year, he probably wouldn't expect to be beat from there. Mm. Um and as I say, I think if we got in the way we played that year, if we'd got into 
half time at 2 0, I'd have fancied us to hold on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even at 2 1, beginning of the second half, I remember like just enjoying the second half, thinking these lots still don't look like equalising, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I thought, we were, not that we created too much in the second half, but I always felt we were relative. I felt thought it was relatively comfortable. Um, but obviously, it wasn't to be in the end. Yeah. And anyway, I, 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 yeah, because that was the first trophy we'd won in like ten years or whatever, and I just remember being so happy. But can you remember there was one part in that match towards the end when Aluko had a chance? Oh uh, yeah, he should have passed it though, shouldn't he? Yeah. Oh my, yeah. so happy. Did he- he took he take it round the goalie on like the left wing. Yeah, and, and shoot. Yeah, he shot, but he, he probably should have just passed it in, into someone um, in a better position. Who was in? I think I don't know why, but I think it might have been Curtis Davis up there for some reason. Mm. And because I'm sure Kurt was saying after he, it was like him and Gibbs. Yeah. So even if even if he just like put it high in the air, just for Kurt to win any type of header into an mm. open goal, but obviously. I mean, Cup final is probably seen the, the headlines. Yeah, 100%. So, um, also, another thing that happened at Hull, you going in goal. Oh, yeah. When, <laughs> that was on it. So, when, when, you went, when you went in goal against Palace, so the keeper's been sent off, and was it, it, was it, was it known that you're, like, the best person on the pitch to go in goal, or were you just told you go in? No, it wasn't even... Saying that, I've always said every club I've been at, apart from whoever's number one, I've got the best handling mm. out of all the other goalies. <laughs> but um, no, it was the last few minutes. We'd already made three subs. Um, Curtis was actually going to go and go. Mm. But um, we, I think we were 1-0 down at the time. Yeah. Um, so we were obviously going back to front, trying to get the equaliser. Yeah. So I sort of just said to Kurt, you're better in the air than me. So you just plump yourself up front mm. I'm, I can probably kick it a bit further so yeah. I'll just go at the back and I'll just sort of shell it forward basically mm. but yeah there's only like two or three minutes there was one one chance they had they were breaking it was like 2v1 mm. um, I can't remember who was on the ball but Cameron Jerome was like um, three on this side and we had one defender and naturally as a player's instinct I was like I'm going to anticipate this pass yeah. But I was only like 30 yards out, so I'm thinking if the player on the ball sees I've ant- tried to anticipate, he's just going to roll it into an open net. Mm. Um, so thankfully, I just stayed in play and he messed the pass up. Uh, so I didn't I didn't have any saves to make or nothing, which was... But you kept, you kept a clean sheet. Yeah. <laughs> kept a clean sheet. So um, we're going to quickly go on to Derby. Um, going back there, was it a thing of, this is where I started it only makes sense for me to go back? Or was it actually a thing where you actually got sold, you know, the whole going back to Derby and you had other options? Or did you just always just want to go back to Derby? From when I first left, I did always say I would love to come back at some point in my career. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed my my four years at Hull were unbelievable for whatever reasons. Mm. Um, I loved it, to be fair. Uh, me and the missus... I just had my last year at Hull I was back living in Nottingham and travelling up and down because mm. we'd just had the baby and all my family were in Nottingham so it was a little bit easier yeah 
Um, and I had, a, I had a buyout clause, basically, in my contract, which Derby matched. And I was watching... Our squad was down to the bare bones anyway at Hull. Yeah. And then Robertson left. Maguire left. Curtis Davis had left. Uh, Klukas was relatively confident he was leaving. Yeah. And it was like... We'd have had to play like the under 23s, or none of them had had first team experience. So once once Derby had actually um, activated the release clause, I looked at Derby's squad, and to to be fair, that first season I think we should have been looking at automatic promotion because we had two good players for every single position, mm. which was what I was looking at. So when I when I looked at the squads, comparing the squads, there was no comparison at Derby it was Wisdom and Chris Bird as your two centre backs mm. Keogh Davis Pierce and Shackle as your four centre backs uh, Forsyth and Olsen as your two left backs myself Jono George Fawn um, someone else that is our four centre mids and you had like Johnny Russell Andy Vyman Ikechi Anya oh, someone else Vyman's a good good yeah. that's as like your um, four wingers and then your strikers it was Chris Martin Nugent Vidra um, who else there was one more I can't even remember but, but I just thought we had two two players for every position mm. that, that were good established championship players or have played at a good level for a few years in the Premier League but do you think that team was better than the team you had under Lampard, though? Um, we played in a completely different way, so it's hard to tell, mm. to be honest. Uh, I think last year with Lampard, we had the three lads that come on loan that equally have gone on. Obviously, Mountie and Tamori mm. have gone back to Chelsea, played a lot of games and both broke into the England squad. Wilson as yeah, well. Wilson, he's gone on loan to Bournemouth. Yeah. Continued to play regular and scoring goals, so... I think to get them free, they played majority of the games. They were excellent for us, to be fair. Mm. Um, and as I say, last year was probably more on the front foot and imposing ourselves on teams with possession and not letting them settle on the yeah. ball. Whereas the year before, when I first signed, we was probably a bit more of a counter-attacking team with uh, okay. Vi- Vyman and Russell down the wings. Yeah, Vidra is a number 10 Um and then probably Nuge up top or Chrissy Martin. I feel like you prefer your first season. <laughs> oh, on a personal level, yeah. I played 47 games in my first year. And last year, <laughs> I only played, I think, like 28 or something like that. So, on a personal level, I did enjoy the way we played last year. Mm. I just didn't play as much as I would have liked that personally. Why that is, like, when you look back at it, is there a reason why you felt like you didn't play as many games? Or it just um, this happened. Again, I from the outset, and my thoughts would be that because we were like fully pressing teams and not letting them settle on the ball, mm. would be for that reason. But every time I spoke to the manager and asked what he wanted me to improve on to get in and around or closer to playing more regular, yeah, um, he never really gave me that answer. So I'm not sure to be honest. But mm. the lads that were playing were doing well. Yeah. Whether that was, as I say, John, I was the deeper one with 
Mountie and Wilson in front or Joe Ludley started the season as the deeper one. So we did have a decent squad, to be honest. What's it like playing with, uh, with um, Bradley, Bradley Johnson? Better playing with him than against him because he's, <laughs> he's, he's over-aggressive, whether that's his, his feet, his head or his elbows. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, John is good to play with. You know exactly what you're getting off him. Um, yeah. And he's got that bit of quality on the ball as well to find a pass. And he always pops up with goals wherever he, whatever club he's at or whatever position he's playing. Um, he's always popped up with goals for years. Okay. So what I'm going to do now, um, at the end, we always do um, a five-a-side. So your five-a-side of players you've played with. So you've got to pick your, your best five-a-side of the players that you've played with. I'd go well, for Ingo. <laughs> um, in goal, I'd go for Gomez. Okay, Aurelio. Which, when I did, when I've done my 1 to 11, I always go for Larice. But if you're setting a five aside, then <laughs> some of the saves that Gomez can pull out are like, no one else in the world will be able to make the saves. Mm. Um, They're calling the a spider or something, isn't it? Octopus. Oh, the octopus, yeah. yeah. Arms are long or something. I think he made a couple of like, high-profile errors, didn't he, at Spurs? Mm. Um, which is going to happen as a goalkeeper, which yeah. is always going to result in a goal. But some of the saves that he has made, there was one, on, I can't remember if it was Giggs or Gerrard, that at the time, I'm saying, there's only him in the world that would have been able to make that save. Mm. I think so I'm vague. Was it Top bins or something. There's a gigs one top corner, and I think Gerard hit it into someone. It's gone into the floor and lobbed him after he's already died, but he's mm. just got his fifth arm to it somehow. <laughs> um, centre back. So Gomez and go centre back. Oh, I know it... you've got a pick. Yeah, no, Ledley. I'll pick yeah. Ledley, but. Um, a special mention for Vertonghen as well because yeah. technically on the ball ability wise he come in and he was doing like tricks just when you just stood about messing about he does tricks that like wingers can't even do and he's like a centre half really? or left left back that, I think it's just the Ajax thing mm. oh he's <laughs> um, got the Ajax the Ajax school yeah. football so yeah he's I'd have to go with Ledley because he's got obviously everything mm. how um, good was Ledley though yeah, it's unreal. And it's just a disappointing that he never really got a chance to train regular or, mm. like, especially in my time, or play a sustainable amount of games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, even though I seen a clip on Twitter earlier actually where he made that tackle against Chelsea where Robin, who was one of the quickest players yeah. in the world at the time, and Ledley, even though he probably hadn't trained for three weeks, still managed to catch up with him and make the tackle I think it's, it's it just speaks volumes that he didn't play anywhere near as much as he should have but everyone still rates him as like one of yeah. the best like it, it just it just lets you know just how, how good he was but yeah so you've got Gomez um, Gomez Ledley uh, Modric Modric for yeah. sort of his, his first touch and ability to find a pass and mm. just Seeing the game different to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, 
Next one would be. I'll go for Dembele. Uh, but equally, could have been Van der Vaart, but Dembele, I think. Just hold for, on, hold on. This is, the, this is the Tottenham team. We're basically, we're basically doing Tottenham. But anyway, go on, go on. <laughs> I had about eight years there. It's my longest time. Yeah. Alright, cool. Fair enough. Um, yeah, obviously Musa on a five-a-side pitch, no one's going to get him off the ball. Mm. Um, he can find passes and score goals. Equally, I think Van der Vaart in a five-a-side team will be pretty similar to Modric. Yeah, so. Van der Vaart. Oh, that team that had Van der Vaart in it. Like, <laughs> wow. Oh, Tottenham were actually decent. In fact, that's a question. If I, I'm going to come back to that one. Yeah, but go on. Um, and then as a as a focal point, I'll have to go with Berbatov. Oh. Just as the main number nine, five aside, wouldn't have to do too much running about. Mm. Um, but yeah, that'd be. I'd fancy that five aside team against most, to be fair. Yeah, no, no bail. Uh, it'd be hard to get him in. I think I'd. I think I'd have to stick with him. Okay, that's a good one. So, what about Rooney? Because you played with him for England. When I was in and around the England squad, he was more of like England's main go-to guy. When he was like the number ten or even a number nine, uh, a lot of times. Um, mm. Whereas now he's at Derby, he's playing a little bit more withdrawn as sort of a number six or a number eight in midfield. Uh, yeah. But equally, he's, he probably even though he scored a few to be fair, he's not getting the chances that he was getting before within open play uh, but he's using his ability and experience to dictate games from sort of 30, 40 yards deeper than he's probably naturally used to but I think as from when he's burst on the scene everyone's seen that he's just loves football mm. and just wants to be on the ball as much as possible so I think this slightly deeper role probably suits him more especially at the age he is as well So you've got Gomez, Ledley King, Luka Modric, Dembele and Berber. That's your five. I don't normally ask you yeah. for a manager, but, but Bill, shout out Billy Piper. He's in the comments asking um, who your manager would be. Um, By the side. I think I could manage them five. You think you could? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I think earlier but Marco Silva I only had him for six months at Hull but oh. he was yeah. it's been surprising that he's left Watford and Everton as soon as he has because them six months at Hull he was thorough with everything he did mm-hmm. uh, we had different tactical game plans with and without the ball for every different opposition Yeah, um, it was never just set on one one idea, if we played someone different the other week, he would study them mm. and tweak the way that we played a little bit. Um, and when he come in just after Christmas, we were we were dead and buried, to be fair. And mm. then we picked up some good results and with a bit more luck, the last two or three games of the season, we might have been able to have our own version of the Great Escape, but it wasn't yeah. to be. I think, I'm not surprised by Watford, because Watford have this whole thing getting rid of, of managers um, I'm surprised at um, Everton that he went but in this day and age now managers don't really get time Do you no. know? they don't they don't get time anymore so that's your Tottenham team and what I did want to say is as an Arsenal fan me of course when you're playing for Tottenham 
at that time, did you actually feel that you could overtake Arsenal them times, even though you couldn't? Um, I think my first few years there, the gap was pretty big. Um, and then by the time I left, I felt like it was relatively even. Mm. As much as you lot won't want to admit that. Um, <laughs> it weren't even, mate. But I thought, if you look at their squad when I first got to Tottenham, mm. sort of their last year at Highbury or the first year or two at the Emirates, yeah, it was a completely, it was like a a manly squad kind of thing, if you know what I mean. It was 11, 11 sort of fully grown men um, where towards the end when I left Tottenham, what was that? Uh, six or seven years ago, mm. you could see that it was sort of going like that and Tottenham were gradually getting above Arsenal, which is the case up to now still. All right. Tom, it's been great, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, on that, um, I, what I will say is that through Arsenal's toughest years, this has been your, well, this, is, this has been Tottenham's, you know, Greatest, greatest time, and they still haven't managed to really push on. So, I do think it will change back over over the next couple of years. And MK, you're a bit late. We've spoken about Bale and Michael already. And um, what I'm going to do now, guys, we've got about five minutes. So, if you've got questions, get them in. Uh, okay, here's one on Rooney. In the short time you spent working with Wayne Rooney. Can you see he has all the attributes to be a top-class manager? Yeah, I think so. I think the oddest thing would be for players of that level that have played at the top for 15 years and have sort of come straight out of school into Everton's first team at 16 and mm. stayed at the top until, what is he now, 34, 35 and still going strong. Um I've seen how he is with the younger players and he's very helpful um, and patient and stuff like that. So I think a lot of world-class players, when they go into management, struggle with that side of it, as in they expect everybody to see passes that they see or be as good as they are. Yeah. Uh, but I think with Wayne, the few months I've worked with him, watching him with lads that aren't as talented as him or with younger players, he's very helpful and patient with his explanations and ideas and things like that so I think he's got all the attributes to manage at whatever level he feels comfortable Yeah I, I think he'll manage and because of because he's who he is I think he'll get fast tracked even though I don't particularly agree with that but still um, Best player you swap shirts with? When I first well I started actually when I was playing for Derby um, swapping shirts the first one I got because I was a bit of a Chelsea fan growing up. Mm. I got Dennis Wise one when I was at, when we played against Millwall. Uh, and then when I went to Spurs, I've literally, I've got loads to be fair. Obviously my favourite one's probably Gerard, mm. But equally I've got uh, Zanetti for, and Mykon from when we played Inter. Uh, I've got Closers from when we played Lazio. Xabi uh, Alonso from when we played Real Madrid in the quarters and then I've got a lot of the sort of Premier League legends like Rio Lampard John Terry 
Um, of Skulls, Suarez. Oh, bloody hell. You're just reading Balak, the screen there, mate. Ba- yeah, Balak, Shevchenko, SEN. I've got a lot to be fair. They're not all up. At, they're all in frames, but they're not all up at the minute. Mm. Okay. Um, how did the huddle throw f- fundraiser come about? Amazing idea. I thought that might be coming back soon by the look of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what happened with that was, as I say, when I first got injured, I don't, I'd never had an operation before. Oh, I'd had mm. one operation on my knee, which was nothing really. I was back running after 10 days and Touchwood never had an issue with it since. Yeah. Uh, so I, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, the ankle operation is going to be a smooth process as well. They told me four months, which was October time. So in my head, I was thinking, I played regular for two years. Um Miss like November, December, January. If I get back February, March, April, May, that gives me sort of three or four months to get a goal, yeah. kind of thing. So I had a, a joke with my mate and then just decided to set it up for charity that I wouldn't cut my hair until I was back fit and scored a goal. Mm. So that four month injury turned into about 18 months, like yeah. I said earlier. Um, I remember when you did. By, so. Yeah, by that time it was. Yeah. Slightly out of control. Um, and then I had another year at Tottenham, in and out of the team with AVB. Didn't score because I played quite mm. deep. Um, and then I went, I went to Hull. Um, and even then, I had a lot of shots <laughs> in the first half of the season. Yeah. But again, I was on a lot of the crossing free kicks and corners. A lot of that was me taking them. Mm. So I was thinking to try and nick it goal so I can cut my bonnet um, but yeah eventually we played Fulham on my birthday which was about 28th of December was it, it a deflection? Went... was it a deflection? no no I went... there was one against Liverpool before but I didn't claim that one yeah I'll... okay cool um, but yeah we we beat Fulham 6-0 and I think I scored like the third or fourth goal in that game mm. and my set my... I'd been waiting sort of a year and a half for a physio to cook my bonnet yeah. for the celebration, expecting it to be at Tottenham, but it just it did manage to score there. So, yeah, that was what it was for. But I managed to raise, I think it was about £70,000 for cancer mm. research. So that was the main thing. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, last couple. Uh, do you see yourself going... Oh, shoot, we'll just put it up. Shout out MK every time. Do you see yourself going into management? Um... Not sure about management as in managing, but I would like to go, get into a coaching setup. Mm. Um, I think I'd be able to help younger players or I'd give a manager different ideas of training sessions or yeah. tactical ideas, um, which is something I'd be very interested in. As in the management side of it, I'm not 100% sure at the minute, but a lot of lads I've played with um, that have done that, I think you get sort of two or three years down the line and then they want to have that uh, results-driven hunger, what they've had throughout their playing career and they want to step into management and sort of be the main man themselves. So down the line possibly, but for sure some form of coaching um, I'd definitely like to do. Okay, last two. Uh... No, I'm not asking that one. <laughs> okay, I've had this one a couple of times. Let me ask this one, actually. 
What was your best memory at Spurs? Or your best game? Let's let's say your best game at Spurs. Um, I think memory would probably be winning the Carling Cup. Uh, but best game. I think captain in the team when we uh, beat Inter at home. Yeah. In the second, well, not the second leg, the second group game. Um, especially with what had happened um, before that, when we lost 4 3, but it could have been 10 0. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I don't know, there was a few. We had the. I watched a bit of the one the other day when we beat West Ham 4 3 in the last minute. Mm. Um, obviously the 4-4 four, four, four with Arsenal 3-3 three, three with Arsenal when I scored <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else 4-4 four, four against Chelsea and Villa um, but yeah I'd probably say the Inter game to be honest OK and um, last one give me your, your five-a-side team of players you played against and we'll wrap up Uh, Van der Sar in goal. Van der Sar. Uh, probably Rio Ferdinand, centre half. Ooh, nice. Van der Sar, Rio. Uh, trying to think of what shirts I've got here. <laughs> um, I'll probably go for Zanetti and Gerard as a two-man midfield. Rio, um, Zanetti, Gerard, Van der Sar. And up top? Uh, it'll have to be Cristiano. Oh, yeah. Cristiano. So there's no room for Fabregas, Cazorla, Van Persie. Nah, Cazorla's, Cazorla's brilliant, but I don't think we need a bit of grit, don't you? So we need Gerard and Zanetti. You know what? Don't want to give you the satisfaction here. No, no, I think this has actually been my worst one, to be honest. This is my worst. <laughs> <laughs> I should have wore a Tottenham kit, to be fair. No, I, get, I was actually going to wear my Arsenal one, but I know the comments wouldn't, wouldn't let me live with that. But um, yeah, no, so thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, and, I um, and I hope you've had fun. Guys, um, if you... Yeah, we're going to put this out on the counter-attack, which is here pinned. Um, it's going to be on the YouTube from tomorrow or the day after. And um, yeah, man, just follow and keep, you know, up to date with what we're doing, man. Probably going to have another one this week. And um, yeah, Huds, thank you again. Uh, Stay safe and all of that good stuff. Do you know what you're doing next, next season yet? Uh, I don't, to be fair. My contract's up. At the end of June, so I don't even know what I'll be doing this season, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure, sure it'll be sorted. Yeah. Do you want to stay another season at Derby? Exclusive. Yeah, ideally, but obviously, as I said earlier, with the finances of clubs and stuff, I don't know if clubs will be able to offer contracts and stuff like that. So mm. just wait and see. Feel, feeling good, and now I've got at least the way I play another two or three years at this level, at least. So yeah. Hopefully, whatever gets sorted, I'll still be uh, playing playing next season, wherever that may be. Yeah, I mean, well, 
you know, I don't know what level you want to stay at now, but I know the way Tottenham are going, it should be in the Championship next season. So, um, <laughs> hopefully you can get them back up when they, when they do go down. But, um, yeah, no, thank you so much, guys. Love for tuning in. And I'll probably see you again later on this week with another That's Can Chat. So, see you, everyone. Cool, cheers.